Well, I'd invite you to take a seat. Thanks so much, band. Hey, I don't know, uh, chances are uh, you've heard this piece of, uh, of wisdom, I guess it's called wisdom, um, or this kind, of, uh, this kind of thought, that uh, show someone or, sh- or get someone to show you their five friends and you'll be able to show them their future. If someone comes to you and says, hey, these are the five closest people who have influence in my life, I'll be able to show you the future and, uh, or what your future will look like. And it's, and it's often, it comes off so true and it's not because people are, are, are psychics or people are mind readers, but it's just simply because of this, that the voices you believe or the voices that you let speak into your life will determine the future that you experience. And often it's true with our friends that our friends have access to say things to us that our parents don't, that our teachers don't, that our coaches don't. We go to our friends for advice and thoughts and opinions and so so our friends often are the voices that we believe and so often they determine the future that we experience. And if you're here tonight for the very first time or you've just come uh, after a little while away, my name's Chris and I'm one of the communicators here at Beyond and, and we're doing a series and the way we do things here at Beyond is we'll take a big idea and we'll camp out on it for a number of weeks and the big idea that we're exploring over this series which is called Talking to Myself is simply this, that the voices you believe will determine the future you experience. Now, last week, if you weren't here, we gave uh, everyone that was here some homework. So if you uh, are here tonight, you missed out on the homework. But just to catch you up, just so you know what, uh, what everyone else is doing during the week, uh, we, we got people to ask three questions. And the questions were really around to, to help people to figure out what voices are we listening to. And so the first question we asked during the week was simply this. We wanted you to ask yourself, who do you listen to? Who are the three to five most influential people in your life? And then we said, if you, if you really want to get brave, don't list them yourself. Go to those closest to you and say, hey, who influences my decisions more than anyone else? Who are the three to five people that influence my decisions? Not my closest friends, maybe, maybe not, but who influences my decisions the most? And then we said, once you've figured out who, we want you to uh, uh, ask this question, what? What are they telling you? Are they building you up? Are they stretching you? Are they they calling you to improve? Or are they tearing you down? What is it that they're they're telling you? And then the last thing we wanted you to ask is simply this, is what are you telling yourself? You know, we discovered that uh, last week that the average person has anywhere from 12 to 60,000 thoughts that float through their mind on a daily basis which means what you are telling yourself is so important because you talk to yourself more than anyone else on the planet talks to you. And so you have this ability to set yourself up for, for an incredible future or, or you can influence yourself uh, in a negative future as well. So, so what are you telling yourself? And we wanted you to, to ask that this week. And if you didn't um, or you missed it, don't worry. You can answer those questions really, really quickly. And where we're kind of moving uh, this week is we're kind of moving away from what you say to yourself and we want to dig below the surface a little bit. Because what you say is sort of the surface level, those thoughts that, that kind of go around in your head, the thoughts that you kind of think, well, why, why did I say that? Or, or why do I keep saying that to myself? And this week we wanted to move to the source of what you say to yourself. Because it's one thing to know what you say. It's another thing to go, well, wh- where did that come from? And maybe some of you during this week, as you were, as you were going through and you're starting to think, you know, who, uh, who, uh, who do I let speak to me? What are they saying to me? And what am I saying to myself? Perhaps for, for some of you, it was really positive most of the time. But there's one area 
and there's one part of your life where, where you just, you listen to yourself and you go, where did that come from? Why do I say that to myself when it comes to this activity? Why do I say that to myself when it comes to this relationship? Why do I say, myself when it comes to, say that to myself when it comes to this area of my life? And so the question is, what's the source? Why is it that, that what you say doesn't happen anywhere else but in this one particular area of your life? What's the source? And the reason that this is so important is because what you think about you really is your opinion of you. And maybe you've never thought about it that way, but the things you tell yourself are your opinion of you. Last week, we actually showed you uh, some thoughts that people from within our community have about themselves. See, before this series launched, we actually sent a note out to all of our Connect groups, and we asked them a very simple question. We said, what we want you to answer anonymously and confidentially is what do you think about you? In other words, what's your opinion of you? And we shared some of those uh, last week, but I thought it'd be good just to refresh and share a couple with you this week. Uh, one of them was, I'm selfish. That was someone's opinion of themselves. The other uh, opinion someone had is, I'm not doing a good enough job at my life. I don't know if you've ever maybe thought that or know someone who's thought that. The final one was this, if there's anything negative happening in my life, I tell myself it's my fault. This is just a glimpse, and maybe you, you have a, a similar opinion of yourself, or maybe you have a di completely different opinion of yourself. Which, whichever way you sit, if you'd add something, what, what is true is that every opinion is an assessment. Think about it. The concerts you go to, someone goes, well, how was it? Well, in my opinion, it was great. In my opinion, not so great. That game on the weekend, that musical you went to, those friendship groups, that relationship... You, you have opinions about so many things, and really your opinion is your assessment of it. Your opinion is, well, was it good? Was it bad? How does it measure up? Did I like it? Would I go back again? Would I not go back again? Would I recommend doing that or experiencing that or listening to that person live? And it's so important for us to understand this whole idea that our opinions are our assessments because if we're having these opinions about ourselves, if we're having these assessments about ourselves, we need to be able to answer this. What is the source of your opinion about you? Where does your opinion about you come from? And that's, that's an awkward question to answer, right? Because some of you, if you begin to think about it, and you go, well, I know what I say to myself, but why? What's the source? Where does that come from? Some of you are very quickly going to discover that, that the source of your opinion about you is your ex-boyfriend or your ex-girlfriend or that boss that you left that job from because you didn't like them. Some of it, it's going to be the opinion of your mom or your dad. For some of you, maybe it's the opinion of a coach or a teacher. What's really sad is, is some of you think about this, this a lot. What's heartbreaking is for some of you, the source of your opinion is someone who isn't even in your life anymore and you don't even like them yet they have, they have said something uh, to you at one point in history and you've taken that on board and so you talk to yourself and you say it to yourself over and over and over and over again. And so the source of your opinion about you is from someone you don't even like and you don't even respect and you don't even want to know anymore. And this is such a critical question for us to get uh, a handle on. And the real question, or the, the better question, I, I think, lying beneath this is where do we go to discover the correct opinion of ourselves 
Where, where do we turn to? Because there's so many people, there's so many relationships we're in that we hear things or people say things to us and we take it on board and then maybe we say things to ourselves and we begin to talk to ourselves a little bit and we begin to believe these things. But, but where do we go to find out the correct opinion about ourselves? Who do we go to? Like what manual do we go to? Like if you're having a disagreement with someone about the score of a footy game or who is the lead role in that musical, you can get Wikipedia out. You can get Google out. You can ask Siri. It's not that easy for you. Where do we turn to to discover the correct opinion of ourselves? <clears throat> and I just, I just want to let you know that this is the point in the night where I'm going to lose some of you. All right? This is the point in the night where I'm going to say something that you're going to push back against and you're going to disagree. And I want you to know I anticipated that. So, anticipating that you're going to disagree with, with what I might say next or you, that you're not going to fully buy in, I get that. What I would ask you to do is if you, don't, if you disagree with it, you push back against it or you're not sure, just stay with us for the next 15 minutes. Take, take your thoughts, take your ideas about uh, the, the correct opinion of yourself and where that comes from, just put it to the side. I promise you, you can pick it back up as soon as you walk out the door. But just for the next 15 minutes, just hear me out. For where, for where I believe you can discover the correct opinion of yourself. Because I believe, as every follower of Jesus in this room believes, that you are not here by accident. And when I mean here, I don't necessarily mean in this building by accident. I mean, you were not created on accident. You don't exist at this point in history on accident. In fact, I believe, as a follower of Jesus, that God created you. That God created you with a unique personality, with a unique gifting. And regardless of what anyone else has said about you or told you or whatever you tell yourself, God actually has a purpose for you in this life. And it's a purpose that only you can fulfill. In fact, this world would be worse off if you weren't in it. You are here for a reason. And so I believe as a result of that, that the only thing that can assess your value is the opinion of the one who made you. If you were going to assess your value, if you were going to listen to someone's opinion, someone's assessment of you, why would you not want to listen to the opinion of the one who created you, the one who knows what you were created for, the one who created you with a purpose in mind? Why would you not want to listen to that opinion? And I know that some of you, like I said, you're pushing back and you're like, oh, I knew he was going to say something that would like kind of prickle me, but I didn't realize he was going to say this. And so... I just want to let you know that the voice of something or someone will assess your value. Currently, right now, the voice of something or someone is assessing your value. For some of you, the something that assesses your value is your job title. And for some of you, you go your whole career based around getting that promotion or that job title. Because that's the thing, if I can just get that, then I'll be valuable. For some of you, it's that, it's that pay point. For some of you, it's that raise. If I can just get that little bit of extra money, if I can just get financially secure, if I can just get enough for a house deposit or a car deposit, if I can just get that car, if I can just get that boyfriend or that girlfriend, then I'll be valuable. If I could just start a business, then I'd be valuable. If I, just, if I was just someone's boss, then I would be valuable. And something will assess your value. Or maybe you will allow someone to assess your value. Maybe that's your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your husband or your wife or your boss or your teacher. It's usually the person who influences your decisions the most. 
Who is the someone that you're going to let assess your value? Because the truth is we all do it. So why would you not let the, the one who created you or at least hear what the one who created you has to say about you? Because for so many of us, the problem is that we go through life assessing our value based on voices that aren't qualified to assess our value. For some of you, the things that you say to yourself and the things you picked up and caught up on the, uh, talking to yourself this week, you would never say them to your worst enemy. You would never say them to anyone else. But the reason is because either you believed it or someone else spoke that into your life and the truth is they weren't qualified to. Because the only person qualified to assess your value is the one who made you. Now, I know that that's kind of like a general statement that's broad and, and then and the next question is really like, okay, well, what does this God guy have to say about me? Because based on my experience with Christians, God doesn't have very positive things to say about people like me. Based on my experience with Christians, God doesn't have much positive things to say about anyone at all, really, except for church people, and they just seem to be hypocrites, so I don't really want to jump in on that uh, bandwagon. So what does God actually have to say about me? And tonight we're going to explore a conversation. We get to be a fly on the wall of a conversation between a guy called Moses and God. And Moses, that's kind of like a, like a long name, and if you're having trouble, you can just call him Big Mo. Uh, Big Mo stepped into history at such a pivotal time for the nation of Israel. So, so Big Mo was, uh, was an Israelite. And the nation of Israel, right around the time of Moses' birth, was under slavery by the Egyptians. And Big Mo, I'll tell you the end of the story, Big Mo actually ends up leading two million people, just over two million people, and coordinates an escape effort from slavery for the Israelites. This was before iMessage, this was before he could create a Facebook event and before he could send like a Google email to everyone. So Moses was like an incredible, exceptional leader. But it was nearly all over before it began for Moses. You see, right around the time that Moses was born, the Pharaoh in Egypt realized that these Israelites are having babies at a rapid rate. And, uh, and if they're our slaves, then they can't outnumber us because that's just not good. Because pretty quickly, if the slaves outnumber the slave drivers, the roles reverse. And so the Pharaoh went out to, try to kill every young boy to bring the numbers of the Israelites down. Because that's just how Pharaohs worked back in that time period. And Moses, through a series of events, ended up being found in a basket by Pharaoh's daughter and was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter into the house, into the, the temple. And so Moses actually grew up right under the nose of the Pharaoh who is oppressing the people of Israel. And it took kind of Moses a while because he's growing up in this lap of luxury. You know, he's, he's having five-course meals every single day. Uh, he's got like spa baths whenever he needed it. He had the latest Netflix on. Like he had Siri on demand. Like he was, he was like ordering anything he want off Amazon Prime. Like there was no limit on his black card. Moses was having the best time. And so it took him a little while to figure out what was going on beyond the walls of his home. But when he did, when he realized that, that his people, the Israelite people were under, under slavery and oppression, it broke his heart. And day after day, and year after year, Moses saw the Egyptians brutalize and terrorize the Israelites. And he wanted to do something about it but he didn't know what. He knew, he's like, Moses knew, I want to I help my people get free. I want to help the Israelites get free. They don't deserve this. So, so what, can, what can we do? And, and Moses, unfortunately, 
makes a plan up on the fly, which is never a great idea to do. And so one day Moses is walking through town, and he comes around a corner, and he sees an, um, uh, an Egyptian uh, beating up an Israelite. And Moses just decides, this is my time to make a charge, this is my time to make my plan. And so he goes in to kind of like stop the scuffle, and the scuffle escalates, and Moses ends up killing the Egyptian. And Moses kind of realizes at that moment, like, I done messed up. Like, I'm living in Pharaoh's house, and I just killed one of Pharaoh's boys. Like, I need to skedaddle. And Moses, like, flees. The Pharaoh, Pharaoh sends uh, soldiers after him, and Moses escapes. Moses runs away to this little backwater town. It's called Midian, um, on the, on, like, in the wilderness. And uh, Moses is there for so long. Moses is there for 40 years. Moses is there long enough to, uh, to marry a girl with a name a little bit as weird as his. Uh, his her name was Zephorah. And uh, not Sephora, Zephora. And, uh, and Moses' uh, father-in-law had another weird name. His name was Jethro. And Moses actually ended up being a, a shepherd for Jethro. And one day Moses is out on the edge of the wilderness. And when you think wilderness, uh, think Middle Eastern wilderness. So not like desert, but like deserty, rocky, very harsh terrain. There were some sort of shrubs there uh, occasionally. A little bit of an oasis every now and then. But it was, it was tough ground. And Moses is out on the edge of, the, of this uh, wilderness, and he sees this bush burning. Now, this is, not like, this is not actually that abnormal, because if you think about it, they're in the middle of the Middle East, there's, uh, there's shrubs that are dehydrated, and then the sun's beating down. It was quite common for, those, uh, for some bushes to start, to start smoking, and often erupts into a little bit of a fire. But this one is a little bit odd, because Moses sees this, like, this shrub or this bush on fire, and he goes, hmm, that's actually not burning up. Like usually these things like disintegrate really, really quickly. And so Moses does what I imagine I would do. He goes over to like check it out. Like what's going on over here? And, and as Moses walks over, he, God begins a conversation with him. And God actually says, hey Mo, remember 40 years ago when you were that young, rambunctious scallywag and you tried to free your people and it didn't go so well and you ended up killing a guy? And Moses is like, yeah, I remember that. Well, I actually, I actually have a, a call for you. I actually have something I want you to do. Moses, I want you to go back, and I want you to march in, and I want you to walk up to Pharaoh, and I want you to say, Pharaoh, I'm here, and I'm ready to take my people out. And so what we're going to sit and listen in on tonight is Moses' response to God. And keep in mind that Moses has been out in the wilderness for 40 years talking to himself, telling himself, you missed your chance, telling himself you should have had a better plan. Telling himself, well, you're so far gone. You, you, Pharaoh ran, uh, doesn't want to have anything to do with you. My own people don't want to have anything to do with me. And Moses is talking these voices over and over again. And this is what God speaks to Moses and Moses, their dialogue in the midst of this. God, uh, God kind of challenges Moses. And, and Moses answered to God, but why me? In other words, like, how did you even get my resume? And, and not only that, but like, did you, did you read it? Like, am I the last possible candidate? I don't know whether you know, but I killed a guy. Like, that's not the best start. And then he goes on, he says, what makes you think I could ever go to Pharaoh and lead the children of Israel out of Egypt? What's, what's your big plan, God? You tell me. You know my past, so you tell me what makes you think I'm qualified to be able to do this. This is God's response. He says, I'll be with you. Moses, I know what you did, Okay? saw it. I'm God. That's kind of part of the whole deal. Like, I know what you did. But the thing is, I'm not looking for you based on your assessment of you. I'm looking for someone based on my assessment of them. 
And Moses, better than that, this time I'll be with you. Last time you didn't have a plan. Last time you just ran in there gung-ho. This time I'll be with you, God said. And he said, and this will be the proof that I am the one who sent you. So in other words, here's here's the thing that's going to seal the deal for you, Moses. Ready? When you have brought my people out of Egypt, you will worship God right here at this very mountain. If I'm Moses, I'm thinking, could I have the proof on the front end? Like, that would be great. So you're telling me, go to Pharaoh, sort it all out, and then you'll prove who you are? And God's like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. And the reason I'm doing it is because I want you to understand that I've chosen you, not because I've revealed some miraculous sign to you, not because you're special, but I've chosen you because of my assessment of you. I believe, Moses, that you're the leader that you were born to be. I believe that you have the ability, but the thing is, Moses, you're not going to believe it until you lead them out. You're not going to believe that deep down inside until you've actually gone and faced your fears and done what you want to do anyway. And then Moses kind of counters again. Then Moses said to God, okay, suppose I go to the people, I'm not saying I will, but suppose I go to the people of Israel and I tell them, the God of your fathers sent me to you and they ask me, what is his name? What do I tell them then? And this is how God responds. God continues with Moses. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. The God of your fathers, and this is important, you'll remember this, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob sent me to you. In other words, what God is saying is, hey, this nation of Israel, they all remember Abraham, right? Yeah, Abraham was, was such a big deal. He was like the prime minister for a while. Okay, what about, the God of, what about Isaac? Well, yeah, he was kind of like another prime minister for a while. Well, what about Jacob? Well, yeah, everyone remembers Jacob. Like, he, everyone loved Jacob. Like, he was, he was like the prime minister for a while as well. Well, what I want you to do is I want you to go back and I want you to tell them, hey, remember the, the God that Abraham followed? Yeah. The God that Isaac followed? Yeah. And the God that Jacob followed? Yeah. Well, I'm here with that God. I'm here with that God that did all that, the stuff for Abraham, for Isaac, and for Jacob. He's here with me too. So when they ask, tell them that. And then, this dialogue keeps going. Moses keeps pushing back. And, and then it says this, Moses raised another objection. You've already raised a couple, why not raise another? Master, please, I don't talk well. I've never been good with words. Neither before nor after you spoke with me, I stutter and stammer. So Moses is essentially like identifying, he's like, yep, okay, everything sounds good so far. But as the spokesperson, as the prime minister, like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they spoke a lot. And, and I have a stutter. And if you've ever wondered, like, if God is a little bit sassy, like, this is the time, this is like the time where God's sass comes out. God says this, And who do you think made the human mouth, Moses? Moses, you're Captain Obvious, mate. Like, who do you think's been having this conversation with you for the last, like, half an hour? Like, do you think I didn't pick up on that? And then this is what God says to him. to kind of, he goes, isn't it I, God? So get going. Just go. I know that you've got to stutter, Moses. That wasn't on my criteria. See, see what I'm looking for, Moses, is, is, is how I view you. What I'm looking for, Moses, is not, what, not how you view you, not how you've been talking to yourself for the last 40 years, not the way that someone told you was stuttering, so you got this assessment of yourself that I could never lead and I could never be out the front and I could never talk. God goes, no, 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 I've got my assessment of you because I'm the one who created you. And then this is what he says. He says, I'll be right there with you, with your mouth. I'll be right there to teach you what to say. Remember Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? I did all that great stuff for them and I'm going to do it for you. All I've got to do is help you speak well. That's easy. I've got to do some real stuff with them. 
just believe me, Moses. And really what God is trying to get Moses to understand is this thing that we talked about right at the start, that the only thing that can assess your value is the opinion of the one who made you. Because so often in life, we have this tendency to assess our value through the wrong lens. Like Moses, we, we assess our value based on physical traits. Well, someone said I stuttered. Someone said I didn't look pretty. Someone said my muscles weren't big enough. Someone said I don't have, I don't have the work ethic. Someone said, you know, I, I don't have the talent. And when God looks at Moses, he goes, Moses, I'm, I'm assessing you from a different angle because I'm the one who created you. I know what is deep down inside you and I know what I created you for. So are you willing to trust me? Are you willing to step out and trust me? And the sad reality is, the sad reality is that there are some people in this room tonight who assess their value through people they don't even know. There are some of you here tonight and you assess your value based on a rumor you heard about yourself. Or you assess your value based on what someone commented on your social media profile. And you don't even know them. Or you don't even like them. So why not begin to discover the opinion of the one who made you? And I understand that, that some of you are like, okay, right, well, what does God have to say about me? Because I'm not sure. And we always have uh, this thing called Four Monday, which is really the application of what we've been talking about, because it's, it's one thing to kind of hear a message, but, but the application is where it really changes lives. And so this week's Four Monday is simply this. I want you to discover what the one who created you says about you. Now, before you like get like, whoa, Chris, I was open to the idea, now you're telling me to like go and like discover. I didn't ask you to believe, I just said discover. Okay, if you're in the room tonight and you're still not sure about this God thing, that's great, come back next week and the, the following week as we wrap this series up. I just want you to discover what the one who created you says about you. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to discover this as well. Because chances are, some of the things you talk to yourself is not what God would say about you. And so you believe things that God doesn't say about you. And maybe it's time for you to actually discover what the one who created you says about you instead of what everyone else says about you. And to, to get the ball rolling, I just, think, I just think five things are really good to know. Five things are really good to know and discover what God says about you. And so you can, you can jot these down if you want, but, but this is what God says about you. Five things. First thing he says about you is that you're a masterpiece. I don't know if you know much about art. I don't. Um, but, but when artists go to work, there's always an idea in mind. There's always a purpose in mind. And when you see, you see the great artist at work, there is nothing on the canvas that is by accident. It is all there for a reason. It all plays a part. And God says this about you, that you're a masterpiece. That every single piece of your personality, every single piece of your gift is not there by accident. It's there for a purpose. And then God says this as well. He says, you are actually created for a purpose. You're not just some masterpiece to be hung on a wall in a dark room for no one else to see. No, you're a masterpiece that actually has a role to play in history. You're a masterpiece that was actually created for something bigger than yourself. You get to play a role in something that actually is beyond you and has a lasting impact beyond you. He says you're worth dying for which for some of you is probably the most difficult one to believe. That God would actually say that not only does he love you, 
Not only does he care for you, but he would actually give his life up for you. And 2,000 years ago, God just didn't say it, but God demonstrated that when he stepped into history and died on a cross so that there would be nothing separating you from his love, that you would know in an instant, if you wanted to, that you are worth dying for. Regardless of how you think about you, God's already decided that you're worth dying for. Here's the other one, that you're strong. Not in the Instagram strong way. Not in the, you've got it within you if you just try hard enough and do hard enough. You're strong because of who you have the potential to be connected to. You're strong because the creator of the universe wants to have a relationship with you. And when you're in a relationship with the creator of the universe, you can do crazy things like Moses did and go out and free two, two million people from slavery that they'd been in for over 40 years. You're strong not because of who you are, but because of who you're connected to. And then the final thing is this. God says, I'll never leave you. I'll never leave you. No matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter what you think, my love isn't conditional. My love isn't a, isn't a, oh, now, like, oh, you did that great, I love you a little bit more, and now you're saying that and doing that, well, I don't love you. God goes, no, 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 I've made a promise. I've given my life for you, and I will always be with you regardless. Because that's what love is. And the final thing, and then I'm done, final thing, and then I'm done, is because I know that some of you are looking at this, and you're like, ah, yeah, maybe, I'm not sure. I don't know if I want to read my Bible. Like, I don't know if I'm into that whole thing, Chris. And that's all right. Just, just tell these things to yourself this week. But this is the final thing before I'm done is this. You need to be able to answer this question. Who or what has the greatest power to determine your value? Because if you're going to look at the things that God says about you and go, I'm not interested. Well, what is or who is? Who has the greatest power to determine your value? Because imagine that... that you could clone yourself and you decide to clone yourself twice just as an experiment and you decided that what you were going to tell clone one every single day for five years was the thoughts that currently go through your mind and the way that you currently talk to yourself and the way that your friends currently talk to you or the way that that one voice just keeps coming up over and over again that you were going to sit clone one down and for five years you were going to tell that uh, to clone one every single day. And then for the other five years, you got your other clone. And every single day, you said to that clone, you're a masterpiece. You were created by God, for a, with God for, by God for a purpose. That God believes you're worth dying for. That with God, you're strong. And that God will never, ever leave you. At the end of those five years, which clone is going to have the better future? And I think the, the better question to ask is at the end of those five years, which future would you prefer for yourself? Because the truth is, you can have that future. But it will de depend upon the voices that you, uh, the way in which you talk to yourself. It will depend on whose value and whose opinion you allow to assess your worth. So if maybe you're not sure about the whole God thing, why don't you just try waking up every morning for one week saying, this is what God says about me. 
and just see if it makes a difference. And then come back next week as we continue this series. I'd love to pray for us all right now. Heavenly Father, it's, uh, it's sometimes really difficult to know the source of our opinions. But Lord, when we dig beneath the surface, oftentimes what we discover is that it's someone or something and and we know that when we get to the end of our lives, we don't want that something and we don't want that someone to define where we got our value from. And so Lord, I, I pray tonight that, that people would begin to discover, even if they don't believe what you have to say about them, they would just begin to dip their toe in the water and begin to, to lean in a little bit and, what is, and ask the question, what does God actually have to say about me? What does the creator of the universe, what does the one who created me have to say about me? I pray that they would do that this week, Lord, and I pray that, that they would begin to experience just a glimpse of the future they could have if they began to listen to your voice above all the others. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.